This episode of To The Point is sponsored by Tarsus. Tarsus Pharmaceuticals applies proven science and new technology to revolutionize treatment for patients, starting with eye care. Tarsus is advancing its pipeline to address several diseases with high unmet need across a range of therapeutic categories, including eye care, dermatology, and infectious disease prevention. Tarsus is proud to announce that Xdemvi Lotolaner Ophthalmic Solution 0.25% is now available to prescribe. Ocular surface disease. It's complex, chronic, and progressive, but rife with opportunity for the enterprising optometrist. The mission of this podcast is to make this condition more understandable and accessible to those interested and specializing in it. So let's get to the point. Hello, and welcome to another episode of To The Point Podcast. I'm Jackie Garlick, and I'm joined by my co-host, Leslie O'Dell, and a third super exciting person, Dr. Melissa Barnett. If you are listening to this podcast, you have an interest in dry eye, so you likely know who Dr. Barnett is, but I'm going to be her hype girl for a second and tell you how incredible she is. So Dr. Barnett is the principal optometrist at UC Davis Eye Center. She has published multiple papers on the use of scleral lenses and keratoconus. She is the past president of the Scleral Lens Society and a fellow of the British Contact Lens Organization. She is also an award winner, and I want to highlight a couple of them. She received the Thea Award for Excellence for Mentoring by Women in Optometry, and she was awarded the Young Optometrist of the Year by the California Optometric Association. So we are so very happy to have Dr. Barnett on the podcast today to talk about the use of scleral lenses in the setting of dry eye. Welcome, Dr. Barnett. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you so much for the kind introduction. First of all, Leslie, do you fit scleral lenses? So when I was at the Dry Eye Center of Pennsylvania, there were some of the doctors in the practice that had a big interest in um, RGP and scleral lenses. So it was kind of like I referred to them and it's something that I need to build. So I'm actually really excited to have the conversation with you as well today, Dr. Barnett. Um, So we're sort of both novices when it comes to scleral lenses. So you can really share your knowledge here with us. I did, um, this is, it will be great to kind of talk to you about this too, because I did fit scleral lenses um, at my other office. When I was in an ophthalmology group, I fit a lot of scleral lenses, but I really hated it in school. And so I grew to love it because of how amazing scleral lenses can be for a patient and how like life-changing they can be. But I do feel like I taught myself a little bit on how to do scleral lenses because I, I, disliked it in school and I sort of liked it after I graduated which is like an unfortunate timing situation but um so maybe we could like I was hoping today we could just talk about when to use a scleral lens for dry eye and um for those that are new to scleral lenses like how to start with that so maybe we could talk about um like the when like when you would offer that to a patient that seems like a good sure. story. So I'm I'm very interested why you hated scleral lenses in school. You know what? This was like the the I hated it because I felt it was hard. <laughs> that sounds really bad, but you know when you don't feel like you're good or confident at something, you're just like 
like math, for some example, you know, if you're like, I'm just not good at math, I really don't like math. It's really just like you're maybe just need to be better at it. But I felt like insertion removal with a patient was like so challenging. And it really all became because I wasn't good at it myself, you know, and so then I just wasn't as confident in it. But I don't know what changed my mind, really. I mean, I started at that ophthalmology group, and so I was like, I had to fit scleral lenses there. <laughs> so that you started to it. in your chair, and, and you had right, to right, fit right, scleral Right, lenses. exactly. And then I had this, like, wonderful experience with this, like, one of my very first patients I fit. She was, like, horrible vision. She was in this car accident, and, you know, I ended up fitting her with a scleral lens, and her vision was so much better. Like, literally, I mean, she had vision, terrible vision in both eyes. And so when I fit her in a scleral, it was like, I was crying. Her mom was crying. Like it was such a great experience that I was like, "Oh, I'm I'm all in on scleral lenses. This is amazing." Scleral lens fitting is really intuitive. Um, so you're lucky that you had scleral lenses in school. So I graduated about 20 years ago, and I was at the point where, yes, scleral lenses were around because in the 1980s, with gas permeable materials and sort of the resurgence of scleral lenses, they were they existed, but we didn't have them in school at that time. And so actually how I got into scleral lenses was in practice when I joined UC Davis, working with three corneal specialists in a large referral practice, I saw the need for this technology. And you're exactly right, you know, we have these patients on a daily basis where you are helping not only the patient, you're helping their families and their children and just so improving their quality of life so much. It's absolutely amazing. And so, yes, I'm in there crying <laughs> along with my patient. <laughs> I, you know, I, I have a fit at eight o'clock and 10 o'clock and it's always the worst when it's the eight o'clock patient and I'm crying, they're crying, everyone's crying. <laughs> and I tell my staff, oh, it's so amazing and life-changing. And I'm yeah. trying to keep it together the rest of the day. <laughs> but it is, you know, it's life-changing. And seeing some of my patients even recently and seeing them back and, you know, they're telling me how much the technology is helping them. So the, getting to your question, you know, when do you use a scleral lens for dry eye? It, it is at a, at a point where you have tried some other things. So according to DUS2, scleral lens therapy is tertiary therapy. So here I'm talking about someone with a moderate dry eye. So they've tried some preservative-free artificial tears, ointment, prescription eye drops. Scleral lenses come before any surgical therapy. So surgical punctal occlusion, tarsorophy, and they're in that sort of third step uh, when you're treating someone for ocular surface disease and dry eye. Now, a lot of the patients I see have severe dry eye. They have Sjogren's syndrome, graft-versus-host disease, Steven Johnson. They've tried everything already, <laughs> and now it's time for scleral lenses. And these patients are so incredibly appreciative. And one of my goals in life, thank you for having me on this podcast so we can share it, is really to share with all rheumatologists that scleral lenses exist, you know, that it's an option for our patients. These are patients where you put the lens on and the patient instantly has that sigh of relief, like, oh, it, this is wonderful. This is amazing. And I have so many patients with Sjogren's syndrome where scleral lenses are beneficial. 
a lot of those patients are in multifocal scleral lenses as well, just to help, you know, they're presbyopic, to help their near vision. Of course, I do have patients who have Shogun's who are not in scleral lenses, but they're really this life-changing technology. You know, we know that these patients can be suicidal because their dry eye is so severe. And just having this little piece of plastic that can help them function and do whatever they want to do and enjoy their time with their family and their friends and their work, it is incredibly rewarding. It, yeah, I, it, I mean, I, I, I do, I do love scleros for that. It really can change someone's life, honestly. I mean, like you said, there's, there's patients. I mean, even those post LASIK patients that there's been several news stories about people just with intense pain or dry eye, and I mean, these people have options, you know. So that's 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 wonderful. So if you're wanting to um, start and like get into scleral lenses. What do you recommend um, starting with? Sure. So there are a lot of great resources. So live workshops are the best. So if you can have a patient and even, you know, these can be done in your practice. Many companies will come in and do them free of charge in your practice. If you have the patient in your practice and you're fitting them with lenses, you can see firsthand how great this technology is. Now, there are workshops that we do at all sorts of meetings around the world to teach practitioners and staff, too, because that the staff component is really important, um, how to handle scleral lenses. And the Scleral Lens Education Society, of course, is a wonderful resource, the Gas Permeable Lens Institute. There are many webinars and videos on how to fit scleral lenses at this time, and of course, there are books and guides such as contemporary scleral lenses theory and application uh, there's a clinical guide called the clinical guide for scleral lens success which can be downloaded in multiple languages and i would recommend starting with one or two fitting sets and getting really comfortable with those to start it can get confusing there are many great companies out there but the terminology is not exactly the same for each set at this time we are working on that so starting with one or two, evaluating your patient base, is it mostly dry eye, is it mostly a regular cornea, or is it normal cornea, and working with a company using their lenses and utilizing the fitting consultants who are really helpful, and they know the designs inside and out, and then going from there. So I always say if you're on a desert island and you have a scleral lens and an eye, and hopefully a slow lamp on your desert island, you know, just put the lens on the eye, look at it, evaluate it, see how it fits. And then you can go from there. But the reason I asked why you didn't like scleral lenses in school is that I find that lens fitting is really intuitive. And once you, you know, see the patient with severe keratoconus and, and severe dry eye come in, I reach to my fitting set and I go for the lens and of course, lenses are fit on sagittal depth, not corneal curvature. And there are a lot of great technologies that we have too uh, for these patients. So um, don't be afraid, get started. And if you're wondering, well, which company do I start with? You know, look at what you do now. Do you fit corneal gas permeable lenses with a certain company? You know, they likely have a scleral lens and wonderful consultants that can help you. So um, what kind of testing do you need before you reach for the lens um, in your fit set? 
So there's a lot of advanced technology, um, such as scleral topography. You don't necessarily need that to fit scleral lenses. You can do a corneal topography or a pentacam. I like to get some sort of information about specific elevations in the cornea. However, those who have, say, Sjogren's syndrome or even severe dry eye without a lot of corneal irregularity, their corneas are, are pretty normal. It's important to check the horizontal visible iris diameter. It's nice to see how much their cornea protrudes, if it comes out or not. And, you know, we, and, and of course, a slit lamp examination, checking the lids and lashes, the cornea conjunctiva, staining, of course, um, prior to putting on a lens. But some people are really concerned because they don't have the fancy technology, and it's okay. It is still possible to fit scleral lenses very successfully. That was um, when I was fitting those. I did. I had a corneal topographer, is what we had. But I, I so I, I'll see. Like I um, will look at all these like pictures of people fitting scleral lenses, and then they have the scan of like you can see how that lens lays on the on the conge and like, I was like, oh man, I don't have any of that, but you can actually do quite a bit with just your slit lamp beam as far as get, you know, guesstimating how much tear lake you have in there. You know what, you know what I mean? Of course, you, if you have an anterior segment OCT, it'll tell you exactly what yeah. that post lens tear reservoir is. You know, it's 252 microns. However, right, right. if you're <laughs> estimating it and you say it's 250, that's okay. It's yeah. not touching the cornea. You're really, yeah, right. you have a little room. You're, you're fine. Some people use OCT for every single patient and, and that's great. Um, I use OCT as a problem solver or if I, you know, if something's not making sense, say it's a Salzman's nodular degeneration and the patient is saying, I feel the lens here and it looks like it's clearing, but it's not, that would be an example or if it's a patient where I'm really trying to minimize uh, the clearance for whatever reason, just to prevent fogging or something like that, or if I want a closer look at the edge. So it's something that I have access to, um, but don't use on every single patient. So in that patient with the Salzman's nodular dystrophy that has some lens awareness, is it what is usually the problem that you find you know, when you're using your anterior segment OCT? I find in that the lens is touching the nodule because sometimes those nodules can be a little tricky. And so it's nice to have reverse geometry or oblate designs, which we do have now, that are flatter centrally and steeper peripherally to vault over those nodules. So the designs, scleral lens designs have improved so much in the last 20 years. It's absolutely incredible. And there are different designs that are based on research and studies. And now we're moving into empirical fitting where we can design off of these scleral topographers. And of course, we have impression-based technology like iPrint Pro, which takes a mold of the eye and then a lens is made off of that. So, you know, some of my severe dry eye patients also have glaucoma. They could have a protruding bleb or have had prior surgery. And an impression-based lens is really helpful for those patients. How long does that take to have manufactured the impression type of lens? Yeah, it can take a week or two, um, just like any other okay. lens design. So the mold is actually sent to the manufacturer. 
they scan it and then the lens is made uh, within two microns. And so when you're doing the fit, you know, with that patient initially and you're, ha you know, and you are having this emotional response, do they then not get to leave with the lens that first day and you have to order it and then you have to have a dispense, I guess, kind of example. Yes, at this time, it's very hard. Yeah, <laughs> I can they imagine. Want to, they want to leave with the diagnostic lens. Yeah. It does not provide a lot of oxygen and would not be healthy to wear. Um, but there are some companies that can rush lenses, so they get to me pretty quickly. This episode of To The Point is sponsored by Tarsus. Tarsus Pharmaceuticals applies proven science and new technology to revolutionize treatment for patients, starting with eye care. Tarsus is advancing its pipeline to address several diseases with high unmet need across a range of therapeutic categories, including eye care, dermatology, and infectious disease prevention. Tarsus is proud to announce that Xdemvi Lotolaner Ophthalmic Solution 0.25% is now available to prescribe. You bringing up oxygen kind of brings up a good point. Can you talk um, about like oxygen transmissibility, um, specifically like the um, you know, like the tear reservoir, like that was one of the things I was not totally clear on when I started fitting, like, oh, just if we need vault, just like vault at a ton and then we'll be like, good. And that's also not the answer, you know, for fitting scleral lenses, but maybe could you touch on that? Like the oxygen? Sure, sure. So, you know, there are a lot of highly debated topics of scleral lenses and there's still a lot of unknowns. We don't have 50 year or hundred year research on scleral lenses, but a hypoxia is a highly debated topic. So yes, I will touch on it. There are uh, many theoretical models of what sort of clearance you should actually have. Now, whenever someone is fitting scleral lenses, I always like to know what they're fitting. So I'll tell you what I fit. Um, so I fit from a 15 millimeter from a no for a normal cornea up to about a 21 for a very highly irregular cornea. So that's a very wide range. I would say the majority of patients can do really well in that 16 to 18 millimeter range. Now, when we're asking, you know, how much clearance do you actually want? It really depends on what you're fitting. So are you fitting a normal eye in a smaller diameter? I want less clearance. So it could be 100 to 150. If I'm fitting a really highly irregular eye, it could be much more. For that middle of the road, about 200, 250. But the patients who have keratoconus that you think might progress, um, if they have not had cross-linking, I do want to fit those patients with a little more space. Now, for many years, we were fitting patients with, you know, excessive, I would say excessive clearance at this point prior to the studies. And many patients have really done just fine. But there are great new materials this year uh, with a DK of 200, which is wonderful. So for our patients who have had, say, a corneal transplant, those mm -hmm. whose corneas are really fragile, I'm using this high DK material with great success. And so getting more oxygen to the cornea. Now, ways to kind of get the most oxygen, you can go smaller in diameter. However, for our patients who have dry eye, we want to go a little bit larger because the scleral lens is going to cover the cornea and conjunctiva, the area that it covers 
will be the area that it protects. And so we do tend to want to go a little bit larger uh, for those patients. We can, of course, reduce the sagittal depth. We can do that independently in most lens designs. We can even decrease the center thickness of the lens. And of course, we can use really high decay materials. So tell me a little bit about your, you know, if you have a new patient that you're going to be doing scleral lenses on, um, how many visits does it typically take? And then once you have them where they need to be in the lens, comfort-wise, you've ordered and dispensed that product to them, um, how often are you seeing them? I guess it, I guess that part may depend on what underlying disease you're monitoring as well. But just kind of walk me through a little bit of your typical, um, you know, patient care follow-up schedule? Sure. So I'll see a patient initially for a fitting, and the fitting could be done either diagnostically or empirically at this time. And then I'll see the patient back a few weeks later for the dispense and training appointment. And there are typically three to four visits. So we do pre-appoint all of these visits to make sure that the patient is fit successfully. So in those, say, with dry eye and those I might be a little bit more concerned about, a typical follow-up could be three to four months. In a patient who has moderate keratoconus, for example, that I don't think is progressing a lot, a typical follow-up would be about six months. So it really depends on the individual patient. It depends on their condition. It depends on, you know, how they're doing as well. So um, how does this person, this dry eye person, get in your chair to do a scleral lens? Is this a patient that you said, like, we need to do this, or is this referred in to you? What's, how does it work for you? It's a combination, actually. So I have a lot of referrals um, for dry eyes. So I work with our corneal specialists at UC Davis. I work with referring specialists from the greater area as well <laughs> and get a lot of, yes, um, really trying to get a, a lot of people in Nevada to fit. They're doing better. They're doing better uh, for fixing spiral lenses. Um, but I see a lot of patients from the greater area for dry eye specifically for scleral lenses. So this could be a patient who's tried sort of everything that has not worked. Uh, who who comes to me. There are patients within my clinic as well. So since I see a lot of patients with Sjogren's, I talk to them about scleral lenses. I let them know that they exist. I think it's important even to do an in-office trial of scleral lenses, just trying it on if you can, if you have that ability, because that gives the patient a really good idea. Wow, this is really comfortable and then they can go ahead. We do have an option as well to do like a trial fitting, which I think is helpful because maybe a patient is unsure if they want to even wear contact lenses at all, specifically scleral lenses. We do a, a fitting in, in the office and they, there's no commitment. They can decide not to go with it, but that's another option uh, for our patients. So it's definitely a huge combination of the two. Can you, um, like if you're fitting a patient for a dry eye, and I, I understand this will probably vary between patients, but how, how soon do patients really start to feel better when they're, you're treating this dry eye patient with a scleral lens? It really depends on the patient. So some yeah. can be within a day. Um, they instantly feel better. Um, others, I'd say it takes a week or two. 
And then it is important for the patients to continue doing whatever they're doing, um, when, even when their fit with sclerolenses. So continue eyelid treatments, continue prescription eye drops, even with scleral lens use. Of course, prescriptions are used prior to scleral lens insertion and after scleral lens removal. And one thing that's really important for our dry eye patients who wear scleral lenses are solutions. Actually, it's important for every single patient who wears <laughs> scleral lenses, but especially those with dry eye because they can have a lot of surface debris on the lens. And so recommending specific solutions like a specific hydrogen peroxide or multipurpose solution, recommending specific solutions for application in the bowl of the lens. We have Nutrafil, Sclerophyll, and Lacropure as FDA-approved options. And sometimes for these patients, we want to go a little thicker, a more viscous drop, like two drops of Cellubisc or Oasis Plus, in the bowl of the lens with their scleral lens as well. So this is a topic that um, is like not as fun to talk about, but the billing aspect of scleral lenses was one piece that we sort of struggled with at my other office, getting the proper like reimbursements for the scleral lenses. Do That is a whole nother podcast probably that we could talk about maybe the billing, but do you have um, any like tips on that or good resources to like even um, help like the billing department when someone's going to start doing that? Sure. So there's an excellent resource on the GPLI website about, mm-hmm. about billing and also charging for specific services. Um, the National Keratoconus Foundation has great resources on letters to write to patients when they're asking for letters of medical necessity. But as far as billing, I agree, that would probably be another podcast. However, (laughs) I'll state um, that we do bill for dry eye specifically under either their vision or their medical. And it is really important to obtain authorization prior to the patient coming into the practice for their condition. And also to know, you know, what is that specific diagnosis that you are billing getting authorization for it, and informing the patient prior to the appointment. Of course, we do bill the fit and materials self-pay as well. That's the really short answer. (laughs) I knew it was a loaded question, but... (laughs) But an important one. Yeah. that we work on every day. So Dr. Barnett, you are definitely the expert in the field. You've written the book about scleral lenses. So you're getting all these referrals from, you know, outside physicians in, you know, eye care providers, and I'm assuming other type of providers, like you mentioned early on with rheumatology. But what tip would you have for, you know, the general optometrist that isn't, you know, isn't the expert with scleral lenses getting in the door of these practices to really let them know that that service is available. Um, Because I think that sometimes that bridge between different professions can be a little bit challenging, Um, even, you know, to make the relationship. Did you go through like the Sjogren's Foundation or, you know, is it a work in progress? So, yes, um, great question. Um, There's a wonderful resource on the Scleral Lens Education Society. Now, membership is free for everyone. There's a fellowship program. Please become a fellow so I can refer my patients to you when they move. Um, That's where I love to send patients. But on the Scleral Lens website, there's a specific section of information about scleral lenses 
with literature references that you can use. You can print this out, you can put it in a folder along with your bio, bring it to whoever you want to refer scleral lenses to you, the general ophthalmologist, corneal specialist, rheumatologist, oncologist, whoever it might be. And this is for many, many conditions. So that is the best way. And you know, once you develop this relationship, you're gonna get more and more and more referrals. So that's really helpful. So um, one thing that I did want to touch about, touch on is um, the Hydrapeg, the, the tangible Hydrapeg. Um, that came out, I think it was a couple of years ago now. Am I correct in saying that? That that was like a big, a big game changer in scleral lenses. Can you talk about that? Sure. So tangible Hydrapeg did come out a few years ago, and I started using it on patients who wore scleral lenses, and really, it's amazing. So it's a surface coating on the lens. It reduces debris and deposits, improves wettability, and helps not only with the front surface fogging, but the post-lens tear reservoir fogging. So it's an amazing technology that is great for everyone. No fit changes or parameter changes need to be made and really helps my patients with dry eye. So prior to Hydropeg, I was using all sorts of extra cleaners for these patients. Alcohol-based cleaners like Miraflow, Lobob Extra Strength Cleaner on their lenses, even Medicom Progent, a super duper cleaner. And the only tricky thing with Tangible Hydropeg is that you have to keep it simple. So no <laughs> alcohol-based cleaners, no abrasive cleaners, and just a simple hydrogen peroxide or multi-purpose and application solution. And of course, not rinsing lenses with water because water is abrasive and it can remove the coating. So not only has Hydropeg been great for my scleral lens patients, but those corneal GPs, I've been so incredibly impressed and it's also available on hybrid and some soft lenses. And now for the To The Point wrap-up. Thanks to Dr. Melissa Barnett for her great insights. Scleral lens fitting is rewarding to both the patients and the doctors. There are many great resources to help you get started. Some of them include sclerolens.org and a book written by Dr. Barnett. The book is called Contemporary Scleral Lenses, Theory and Application, and she wrote this book with Dr. Lynette Johns. Really the tips are, don't be afraid to get your hands dirty, get started, and really make the difference for the patients we serve. 